Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby Show. I'm Matt Rowley, your host today, and we're getting you over the game line uh, with everything Australian rugby as per usual. Today's very, very special. I'm not sure we've ever done one of these. It's actually a face-to-face podcast. Um, sat around the table, and not only that, it's we've got people from across the globe joining us here today. Um, so joining me here on my left, I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone listening to your podcast, <laughs> joining me on my left, I've got um, the Honourable Jamie Miller. Mate, welcome. Welcome back to Australia. Thanks. Good to be here. Um, good to have you on. Is it true you're, you're here, I mean, in relation to what's got to be one of the hottest stories in Australian rugby right now, um, the Honey Bachelor, is it true that you're up against him uh, and that, what, did you get, did he knock you out at, at, at some sort of screening round or? No, I mean, he's up against me, but I, I don't want to crow about it, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to take the Bonds undies and commercials and he can take the, the Bachelor. <laughs> and, and Hugh, did you, um, I should say Hugh Cavill here as well joining us, um, were you even in consideration, mate? No, did, I don't did think you even so. Put, did you even throw your name in the ring? <laughs> I think I actually thought Jamie was here for the task coaching job. Um, that was, that was I thought you were going with that, uh, not to the Hari Raja. But um, yeah, quickly as well. I think the last time we did a face-to-face podcast, Matt, was 2011 oh, uh, in the back yes. of the camper van in the middle of New Zealand. Um, and some of those podcasts, I think the less said about them, the better. <laughs> That's probably why it's scrubbed from my brain. Yeah, back of a camper van, middle of New Zealand yeah, podcast. Was, no, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the Breakback Mountain podcast. Um, Look, uh, a big show today, so let me just run you through what these sort of key questions are going to be. So, number one, what was the standout performance uh, of round four? Number two, are the Rebels the real deal? Number three, which sides should be more worried right now, the Brumbies or the Tars? Number four, can we beat Ireland with one week to prepare? So this is a sort of, I guess, a, a fact that's kind of popped up and it is obviously very topical with Ireland basically having taken the Six Nations. And what are our predictions for round five? So we'll run you through those and obviously give you our expert predictions, which you can ignore if you're sensible um, at the end of that. So let's take it from the top. Uh, standout performance around round four. Jamie, you've come all this way, mate. You, you lead us off. What was yours? Uh, probably the Reds, you know, uh, fall behind in the first couple of minutes to the Bulls, who are, you know, not a terrible team, and they just found a way to win. They just kept the ball, put the pressure on in the forwards. John O'Lance kicked the goals and did everything right. Uh, I'm a fully signed up paid member for the John O'Lance fan club. Most underrated player in the competition. There we go. Just said it. Um, but yeah, the Reds, you know, they're a super young team, average age on the bench of 22 or something. So yeah, yeah all signs looking good for them. Do you reckon they showed more? I mean, my take on the one last week, the, the the win last week, was that it was it was a shithouse game, but they had a good scrum. I mean, it felt to me there was a bit more there this week. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still developing. Um, you know, they tried to go with the two playmaker role earlier in the season, and then Thorns just decided, no, stuff it. They're going to put Karevi at twelve and just play up route one with two huge centres. Kind of fits their limited playing resources. So, yeah. and it's I don't know, it's working. I think. Uh, and the defence and the physicality is great. 
And when we watched the Waratahs later in the weekend, it was made to look even better. <laughs> Good to see Jerome Lance getting some love, though, too, and getting back into form. Because I think he had that lost year last year where he kind of got injured and fell out with the force and was on the bench floating around and then went to the Rebels, but then instantly went offshore and now is reset with the, with the Reds. And He's like a mongrel dog. Like, the Reds didn't want him. The Tars didn't play him and didn't want him. Mm. The Force wanted him only when Peter Grant was injured. Then he goes to the Rebels. They didn't want him either. And he turns up at the Reds, and he actually does a lot of stuff really well. He's the best defender at 10 that we have by a long way. Mm. His goal-kicking is very, very solid. And his game management on, on Saturday, like for a gritty game, just the sort of game you play in the Northern Hemisphere in November, was outstanding. Like yeah. He's grubbering and he's kicking around the field. Classy. Like We, we need a guy like him. Well, when you... You know, that old phrase or that old term, the journeyman, right, was kind of, was a bit of a, you know, I think by some people in the light of you, Quade Coopers can be seen as like almost like an insult. But I actually think if you look at the lack of seasoned talent we've got at the moment, that's a real sort of compliment. I mean, you know, and it's awesome for what the Reds need to do, right? They're obviously looking to do a real gritty, um, a much a much starchier approach, you know, with Brad Thorne. Um, obviously... Uh, Heavy contact through the forwards and and backs is is big on on his list, and I th- I think Lance really kind of he fits the bill quite well. It's just a pity that he's gone. Like they've got him for a season at best, if I'm right, right? Isn't he? He's off to Worcester yeah, or something. Isn't back he? off to Worcester, and I'm not surprised because I think he's made for Northern Hemisphere rugby. But I like starchy. I think yeah. that's a good way to describe how the Reds are playing. They're very starchy. I mean, they've got a real absence of talent out wide at the moment. They can't get them the ball in space anyway, so yeah. starchy. Yeah, look, I liked um, Karevi was looking a lot better. Um, I kind of feel like he needs, though, they haven't found that person to sit on his hip. Yeah. He's making those yeah. breaks, and there just isn't that person for him to just dump the ball to, um, which is kind of crazy. I think that's probably where the, the Tars, with those years together of those players, have figured out who's going to be sat off curtly and, you know, and all, all those sorts of things. Um, I also thought uh, Tua, uh, he made some great breaks, and that, that try. That he scored um, off. There was a couple of nice the little attack. Yeah, the, there was a couple of nice little dump passes, and he came onto it real pace. Looked beautiful. Um, that was great to see him. Um, the one thing that I had a massive problem with uh, out of the Reds was Tate McDermott's bloody hair. Oh, the replacement <laughs> halfback with the band around around his around his around his head. Oh, it, it I looks think I know like he's out about, of yeah. the endless summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's sort of like dyed blonde, shoulder length, straight, like not a not a wave in it. Yeah. Um he looks like he's just just put the board on the on the subs benches as he's come back out and uh he does not look like a rugby player. Let's let's just go with that. Like some people, like rugby Reg will point out that that's just my jealousy talking. Uh, <laughs> with, 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 oh yeah, with the with the, the in person podcast, Matt. It's, it's, <laughs> you can you can't really hide on that front. <laughs> Everyone can see. Yeah. Um, so some people would say that you know with uh, yeah with with my hairline that maybe it's just the jealousy talking. But I actually like there was a number of times where he had to stop. And not pick up the ball and clear the ball straight away to readjust his freaking hairband <laughs> because it was literally over his eyes or some shit like that. I was like, "This is unbelievable, mate! Get a f- you're in the A game now, right? It's like it's time to get a haircut." Right, I've worked out who who he reminds me of. It's Bjorn Borg. Yeah, he has Bjorn uh, Borg. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. Well, that's exactly who I wrote down in my notes. Is <laughs> Bjorn Borg, get real, mate. <laughs> um, was what I wrote into my notes to sat on my, my sofa watching that on Saturday night. Can we also point out the bombshell of people that have listened to this podcast long term that Matt takes notes? 
there's a, there's a note, a document here. I mean, this is this is really a, to, a to be fair. Up. The laptop is tilted away from Huawei. Yeah. I expect it's just an open word document or like a screenshot of the Harbour Bridge. Or yeah, something. or it's just there's a brain dumper no and checker. It's just a, like a, a true detective, a lot of strings and lines with. Polaroid <laughs> photographs of Michael Checker and Bill Pulver. Yeah. Uh, the dots, people. I, I think the, the other good thing to come out of the game Shmeeple. is Shmeeple, is uh, the Tongan Thought Tupo. I oh, mean, that was my, you, you're reading my notes. <laughs> That's my next. I, I've yeah, got yeah. Tupo looking more complete. I know. No, Hugh and I agree. We're reading your notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you know, he came on last year and the year before looking like a very devastating ball carrier. And Thorne's got him mostly in the wider channels. Mm. Still a devastating ball carrier. Not the finished art. Article, you know, still a bit iffy on the decision making, but just much better in the title. Oh, we still much we, Was he twenty two? Something like that. Not even that. I mean, maybe he's not even that. I mean, for a prop, we remember like Kepu. Kepu's played his best season at thirty four. You know, mm. so I think you, you look at that and go, geez, he, he's probably he could be five years ahead of the curve, yeah. Tom and Thor. And even then, that means he might peak in another five years time. Yeah, he, still... he definitely has uh, a big sign on him saying, "I'm filling out that Wallaby three jersey." It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, and which is good because we need those guys. Yeah, you've got to be thinking he's going to get more of a. Can I say, I think, have we um, talked enough about the Reds? Yeah, right. Okay, well, look, Reg, that was just rounding Reg, out. Reg, have we talked enough yeah. about the Reds? <laughs> Reg? That was just rounding out Jamie's uh, first answer. I mean, we were still talking about uh, best performances of round four, so. Yeah, you... well, I'll, go, I'll, I'll drill mine down into a positional, uh, a more of a positional one because it's kind of bittersweet as an Australian rugby supporter. I've got to say, in the Reds Brumbies game, uh, sorry, the Rebels Brumbies game, it was the best display of number eight play I've seen in an Australian conference game for for years by two ineligible number eights, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Murphy and uh, Nicerani. I thought it was. I mean, Murphy scored a try off the back of a scrum. Like, and I can't remember the last time a number eight picked the ball up off the back of the scrum five meters out and just carried three defenders over a line. It's like something. In the under-15s, you'd see. But um, he did it in Super Rugby. And then nicer riding just continues to be amazing. And, and I think it's going to be a hard, tough year watching the Wallabies without him because um, he apparently is ineligible next year. So he'll walk straight into that team. He's the new and improved Cliffy Palu, as far as I'm concerned. He's but, an um, absolute class act, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I don't understand is he's looked like a class act for about two years. Like yeah. Anybody who knows anything about rugby watches him and goes... Okay, he's the big ball carrying eight and he's impactful. Plays for 80 minutes, jumps in the line out, yeah. got a turn of speed can and catch, useful out pass, wide, yeah. great hands. And you're like, he's really like every type of number eight in one guy, except for the person doing the Waratahs recruitment who thought, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know this guy's coming off cheap and he hasn't got a contract for next year, but I feel good about the guys we've been developing in that yeah. space. You Michael know? Wells is really. Coming on nicely. I oh, made a couple of bell ringers on, yeah. the, on, on the weekend. Yeah, he's yeah, that's true. Let's, let's not let's not shit on Michael We've got Wells. we've got time to talk about the tiles later. Although, yeah. Let's yeah. shit on someone else instead. Yeah, yeah, but I would yeah. So okay, uh, from notes, um, <laughs> Murphy big impact but a sook. So oh, that punch. punch oh yeah. Lucas. That's oh right. my god. Come is, on. Is Matt Lucas the smallest player in the entire? Yeah, in the history. Yeah, Peter Dinkley, Lance Yeah. Tate McDermott looks huge in comparison to Matt Lucas, I think. And it was like, and it was like someone sent around the gif, which was that, oh, who's the... Uh, yeah, Bruce coach, Lee. The Bruce Lee one-inch punch. Yeah. And it was like, that's clearly what Matt Lucas did uh, to take Murphy down. So, I mean, my bit was like, you know, 
a number eight who's that big and who played that well yeah. to go down like that know, on what was clearly like a penalty mill. Uh, Can like, we highlight more of that? I mean, that is the, the trend in world rugby that's still... I mean, the Argentinians are the culprits mainly for that, the diving and the rolling around. and the, But it, work, yeah, it does work. You do get the you know the time to go to the TMO. That's, that's the most frustrating thing about it is it does work. You know, when, yeah. when you roll around on the ground and... And then um, there's injury time, and all of a sudden the footage is on the big screen. That that annoys me. I think I think the only good thing about it was, despite the fact that Murphy went down and yelled at the top of his voice, <laughs> it was a punch. It was a punch. It was a punch. And the scrum was right there, so everyone could hear him. The ref didn't go to the screen because yeah. if he had, he would have had to have given him a yellow card. He would have had to have yeah. brought the two guys out in front of him. One of them up here and the other one down here, and said to the little guy, yeah. "I'm sorry, here's a yellow card for a little sternum flick." <laughs> <laughs> you probably save uh, Murphy a little, yeah, a little bit more uh, humiliation than that, I think. Um, well, look, in terms of... Look, my take on that was also was the Rebs. Uh, I thought uh, that was just a, a, a really great performance by them. But that probably leads us into, I believe, if I've got my memory right... Yeah, question two. Uh, question two, actually. Um, Good segue. Yeah, which was... Uh, <laughs> look, this, this is what happens when, you, when you're face-to-face. They just... And, and also, for anyone that's listening, we're actually doing recording this at Fairfax HQ, and out, there's a glass panel outside, and people are huddling around. They're just watching from peering. <laughs> They've heard the Green and Gold Rugby podcast is being recorded, and there's now a small group of people assembled. It's, it's, it's a small group, but they're about 80 deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it, it is, yeah. People are fascinated to see. Uh, well, they're wondering what this new yeah. thing is. Someone's like, holding up a podcast. sign that just says Hannigan. So I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, that's, that's my dad. Um, so, yeah, question number two. Are the Rebels the real deal? Uh, Jamie? Uh, not yet. They haven't played any decent teams, really, mm. I think, to be honest. I think there's still a work in progress. I think you've got to think of a multi-year plan. I think next year they'll be quite good. I think the year after they'll be really good. Um, but they've still got um, some big holes in their squad. You know, one or two injuries in a few key places. Ten in particular would really kill them. Uh, and I think that they're, you know, they've still got the same tackle success rate as a lot of the other Australian teams in sort of the low 80s. That's not going to be good enough against some of the better teams, so... Well, and that, that's a big question. But you've got to say, I mean, haven't they... They've overachieved, haven't they? I mean, because we, we thought seeing they're going... I mean, as, as much as we love Dave Vessels and, 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 the, and the guys down there, like, having 13 force players and 12 rebels, or you know, however you want to construct your squad... You know, using the Ben Darwin coefficient, which is you know that 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 time and um, cohesion is the is a, a really important factor in a team. Well, you know, even though they had the names and they had the you know they had much more depth than either the Force or the Rebels that had previously, that still struggled to put it together because fundamentally, if you're putting two teams into one, and it just might not work. And the fact that it has, it's just, I mean, this has been one of the most impressive little stints, and you've got to you know tip your hat to 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 the the guys down there. Because it, it enhances uh, Dave Vessels as a coach, and also Adam Coleman as a future Wallaby captain too. Because you know, and also Will Genia as well. I think he's the guy that is he's probably that given that X factor and that class to to pull it all together. And look, I, I agree with Jamie in in the sense that you know this Sunday's game looms as one of, one of the best derby games I think we would have seen in a long time in terms of just establishing the Rebels' credentials um, because the Tars. You know, the Rebels have played three intra-conference games and the Tars haven't played one. So it's a real litmus test for both both sides and I think it will tell us a lot because 
if the Rebels can come out and beat the Tars in Sydney uh, and go four on the trot, then, you know, they'll establish a pretty good lead at the top of the conference and, and put themselves firmly in, in title in the title races. As... Like, like how many... I'm just trying to remember back to what sort of point scores people are getting to top of conferences with. I want to say, it's isn't it the 40s? Like, it's like, you know, 45, 46 kind yeah. of sees you I, uh, I can't topping out the anymore. conference. They keep changing the number yeah. of games. It always used to be like, if you got 40... Yeah. How many games? Are we playing two games in conference this year or one? Oh, there must be two. They must be keeping the derby games. Cause... But, big, I mean, it's, got, it's in that ilk, right? It's somewhere yeah. around 40, 45, 46 or something like that. They've got 15 mm. in three games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I guess if you... If you limit that question of are they the real deal, I guess in my head is like, are they the real deal to take out the Aussie conference? Because if you say that, then that gives you... I mean, you've got a cooey of getting somewhere, right? Because then you can maybe jag a match against somebody and you never know, you can maybe end up in a... You know, before you know it, you're in a semi. I mean, you know, uh, sort of thing. So at which point you get crushed. But, um, you know, you're you're in with a shot. And look, you know, out of all the teams so far in the Australian conference, you know... Let alone putting aside the fact that they've had intra-conference games, it's gotten them a bonus point every time. Just think the way they're playing. The bit that I've been interested in is the way that they've changed a gear. Like, you know, I think just about every other Australian team you feel like is just scrabbling just to survive in any game of rugby. Yeah. And and the Rebels, you get that feeling that they kind of... And even times when they've kind of gone backwards uh, and gone down some points, like against some Wolves and, and things like that. And then they've just... You've seen them just li- literally up-tempo, up-pace play a slightly different game, even, God forbid, change some tactics um, here and there. Um, I've, that's that's what I've been impressed by. You look at the stats, they're actually giving away a lot of penalties. Um, their, their tackle completion rate isn't necessarily anything mm. any different. Scrum's pretty packed. But, but, but their scrabbling D is good. And I think there's a, there's a bunch of fundamentals that are there, that, that they're getting better, that they're doing better than pretty much any other Australian thing at the moment. I've got to say... And um, listeners to the podcast, especially those north of the Tweed, uh, might splutter as I say this. But, um, you know, imagine dropping a Quade Cooper in at 10 for the Rebels. Like, you know, of the choices who are out there at the moment and versus what they're playing with, I think you'd see a completely different... I mean, I think you've then got, uh, you know, you've got to add... I don't know. We're like, getting a Cooper at 10. You've got to add 17.5% on top of their chances. And then you put that... You've got... You know, yeah, well, you do, and then you put that him inside of a guy like Hodge, who is a big, you know, defender, good defender, and they've got Maddox and and Tom English, another you know, good defender. I mean, they've got it all from from one to fifteen, don't they? And and I think the impressive thing is just that they've managed to put it together. And you're right, the skills, just the basic skills. It's the it's the catch and pass. It's they're not scoring tries that are you know they scored a lovely set piece try on the weekend, but. They're not doing anything radically, you know, clever or different. I don't think it's just good basic rugby. And Murphy's still the best player in, in the Australian Conference. I'd probably argue, other than Nicerani. And and you know, they've, they've just got a really solid, solid depth, haven't they? I mean, and then they've scored. You know, they've got that confidence now, and that's that's probably the most important thing for them because I think they're they're playing with that real self belief of a team that's got Wallabies all through it now, and they've they've got experienced Wallabies as well, and and. Uh, you know, just enough talent off the bench. I, I, I agree with Jamie, the depth isn't fantastic, but there's enough there coming off the bench that they've got a guy like Ross Hallett-Petty or, or um, you know, they've got uh, Marika Korobiti this week coming off the bench. I mean, that's something the Rebels have never had before. Well, that was the other thing, was when they played last week, wasn't it Coleman who was a late scratching? Like, yeah. On the day, and then Ross Hallett-Petty comes into se- the second row. Yeah. Their captain and line-out caller, and they're just... just... 
didn't miss a beat, you know, it didn't phase them at all. The game was actually pretty close. I think it was 14-10 at one stage in the second yeah, half. Yeah, but it was a close game until the 60th minute. Right. Like, that's the thing. The Brumbies, we'll get into our next question. But I, I think as well, they're the most complete team also in the sense that we've talked about the Reds, that they're a really workmanlike side with a good forward pack and not much in the backs. And the Tars are pretty much the inverse. They've got no forwards and red hot back line. <laughs> the Brumbies and the, you know, the Brumbies have probably got it there, but they're probably a little bit light as well. And the Rebels are the only side that have got. You know, you put one to fifteen out, and that's it's it's pretty well balanced. And I don't know. Yeah. But as a now, you might need to correct me. My, my knowledge might be hazy here, Jamie. But as a man who's you know managed to turn around a team and win a premiership in one season, mm. did that happen last season? Did you guys win? No. We didn't win. Ah, but you got uh, fucking, I mean, you got you, you the Saber Cats, the well. Saber Cats, the Bobcats, Bob, Bob, the Saber Cats. Saber Cats is like that's a very American. I think it's an American <laughs> sort of Saber high cat. school team. Saber Tooth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but look, this is this thing that I I can't get over. With, like, the n- people get like hung up on like you know playing rosters and how much people are paying players and all the rest of it when undeniably the key factor in the performance of any team is, is, the, is, is the well and which comes from the coach yeah right um and you know you look at any of the stories of any successful australian team at provincial level and there's always a coach at the top of that who you know no matter how they've done it and they've all got different styles and different ways of doing it they've all had in one way or another like a bit of a mega coach uh and someone who's been you know become renowned as a great coach um and, you know, you look at, you know, Vessels, I mean, you know, look, it's early in his career and it's early in his trajectory with these Australian teams, but, you know, you can't help but think that's, you know, we started seeing that last year with the force who had gone, you know, and he himself would say, hey, guys, slow down, I didn't actually win anything. Um, but already you're kind of seeing that, that confidence and the, just a team that knows what they're doing. Mm. Um, and again, just, you know, you can have a whole team of, of geniuses and if they don't know what they're doing and how they're playing together, it's just like a truism almost, but it seems like everyone forgets it. That yeah. if, you, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to double down on any position in your team, it's the coach. The coach is the most added value position. Yeah. And I think English rugby has obviously realised this and we have not, but that is the position that you invest the funds and resources in because it helps improve every other player as well as the collective um, I think the really unusual thing about the Rebels is that um, Kepler is a defensive coach, traditionally, and very few defensive coaches end up becoming top head coaches. It just isn't the way it works. If he can do what he's done with the Rebels at the moment in terms of everything else, and then he's going to go, okay, now we're going to work on the defence, that would be very impressive. If they can move that tackle percentage rate from 81% to 89%, 88%, that will be a very competitive outfit. Yeah. But that's a big if. Yeah. Well, that's again. Wade Cooper would not help that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's yeah. the thing leading Blank into the, the Tars yeah. is is the you know discussion around the Tars is the only question is is the Aussie Conference any good? And you know that that's the only thing that leads me not to be fully gung ho about the Rebels because there is a chance that they've beaten three teams that are the worst three teams in the competition. Well, that is no. a beautiful segue to question three. It is indeed. Yeah. It is indeed. Although I can answer that question to for you, which is no, the Aussie Conference isn't any good, and yeah. so this is all relative. But yeah. it's about where they've but taken But the Reds beat the Bulls, so I mean, I suppose there's only one interconference okay. game. So going into... Do you question... reckon I can pinch a beer from underneath? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, like... This is important, people. We're yeah, using uh, the we're using a six-pack, or what's left of a six-pack, as our... You might as well, yeah, might as well yeah, get the rest out as we go. So that you're listening to the sounds of a six-pack being destroyed. 
if this hasn't made you uh, if this hasn't made you thirsty, nothing nothing will. Um, talk about question three, man. But while that's going on in the background, we'll talk about question three. So moving from the uh, penthouse to the outhouse of um, Australian rugby uh, right now, let's talk about where uh, who should be more worried, uh, the Brumbies or the Tars? Look, it's, it's the Tars. Um, I think the Brumbies have got enough talent there in that side um, to probably come back from where they are now. Uh, they've had a couple of off weeks and, you know, they, they've scratched a win over the Sunwolves and then they got beaten by the Reds and the Rebels. But, I mean, I'd still argue that that Rebels game was probably a little bit closer than it looked on paper and, you know, at the 60-minute mark, it was a, there was less than a score in it. So you sort of... You know, a few things didn't go their way, and they lost a player to a yellow card, and then they uh, the rebels started running in tries and and got a few good tries on the break with turnovers and long distance. So, look, I, I think that score inflated the rebels a little bit. The Tars, look, I'm not going to necessarily get too down on them, but I think it's been made pretty clear that their forward pack isn't up to it. Um, that they have recruited really poorly in the second row and the back row. And they've got very similar style of players, which is the sort of the Ned Hannigans um, and the Michael Wellses and the Jed Holloways and the Tom Staniforce and the Rob Simmons. And I don't have anything against any of those five players individually. I think they're all actually pretty decent, but they're all very similar. They're all the same person. They're the they? same person. <laughs> and, you know, I've got to say, I've never pined for Will Skelton as much as I have on Sunday morning because that's exactly the type of player the Tars don't have, which is that anyone that can get any sort of go-forward momentum. And so as long as that problem exists, and I can't see how they solve it, um, then they're going to have real issues because they've got a, a Ferrari sitting in, the, sitting in the garage in terms of the Falaus and the Beals and, and the Follies of the world, but they've got a two-stroke engine in it. You know, you, you, there's, there's nothing to power it. Mm. So you, you, invariably you're going to score points, as they did on the weekend, through counter-attack and through one-off opportunities that Beal and co. can create. But, you know, when it actually comes down to a, to a hard slog of a game, the fundamentals aren't there. They haven't got a scrum. They haven't got any go forward. So I think it's really um, going to be tough for them to, to, to accomplish anything this season if they've got that sort of performance out of their forward pattern. Okay. Well, that was savage, wasn't it? <laughs> um, no, I think the Tars are giving us a really interesting experiment, which is how successful can you be at rugby without a forward pack? <laughs> um, and we're going to get an opportunity to quantify that. I think I think having Kepu back will, yeah, will help. Kep- and Latu adds a bit too. He adds a bit yeah. too, but the, the scrum is completely non-existent. Uh, it was terrible at home. It was terrible against the Sharks. It was terrible against the Haguaris. Like, it doesn't even look like a super rugby scrum. Um, so let's just start there. They lost the battle of the gain line over and over again. Like often they were in the right position to make the tackle, but just lost the battle leg drive over and over again. Um, I mean, they just look, they look so poor. I mean, yeah. I, they, they kind of look like a rugby league team in the forwards in that every player, as you said, is the same profile. Like, you know, from 13 through to eight, it's the same essential guy. Uh, and it just isn't working at all. I can't believe Gibson kept his job into this year. I would have thought last year was enough. To give him the flick, but if this if something miraculous doesn't happen from here, it's it's bad blaming the players too because I said the four guys that I've, I've called out, the you know they're all good and you could probably carry two of them in a team pretty well. Like they're they're, they're super standard players, but just, there's just no balance. There's no yeah. you know it's the recruiters that have got to, I mean, someone's the coach or whoever is the back office has got to fall on the. 
Yeah, look, I totally agree with that, Hugh. Um, I think the other part of it is, okay, so you're four tries down after 20 minutes. Uh, that fourth one with the overthrow line-out was, I think, the moment where Matt's hairline started to become Stephen Moore-esque. <laughs> I mean, it was just so dumb. Um, but you've got a guy on the bench who can score lots of points. Now, to Kelly Nairavoro, he's not a good rugby player, and that's mostly because he is not a rugby player. He's <laughs> not, he can't tackle. He's a yellow card magnet. Doesn't understand the laws of the game. Definitely can't kick and he can't pass either. So that's you know, a pretty <laughs> core set of things. But what he can do is he can bust tackles like nobody else. He can else. hurt some people. That, that yeah. thing that he did on their 13 later in the game, uh, my mate just kept rewinding and replaying that. That was great. <laughs> but okay, so he four tries down. If you don't trust his skill set to get you back, to try to get you back into the game over that 60 minutes, then why is he even on your roster? Like, what's he going to do in 10 minutes he's not going to do in 60? They should have gone, okay, look, we, we have to open this up. We've got nothing to lose. To Kelly, go in there and just start getting us over the advantage line because none yeah. of our forwards can do that, and he really can. And when he came on, sure enough, he started to make a, a you know, a classic to Kelly two steps forward, one step backwards impact. Yeah, or we'll start playing him at eight. Um, look, so in terms of, uh, so well, I'll jump in here then and talk about who should be more worried. Look, I'm going to throw a slightly different viewpoint on that, which is that I think the Brums, which is that for the comp- almost complete opposite reason of the Tars, is that they have absolutely no attacking incisiveness or, yeah. or weapon at all. So you, you looked at... So um, the Tuesday Top 5 MST did today, and he did, like, an analysis of, of that match against uh, the Reds, and he was like, you know, look at the numbers and tell me who won the match. Didn't like, they have 60% possession? Oh, it was nuts. Yeah. And, um, you know, broke tackles, more defenders beaten, all the rest of it, and yet... I can't remember seeing anything in that match made, that made me think that team had a heartbeat. Like, mm. there was nothing in it at yeah. any point that you thought they were getting anywhere. Put that next to... So, and I completely actually, you know, I agree with everything you guys have both just said about the problem in the engine room of the Tars. But having said that, look at the second try the, the Tars scored, which was just... Yeah. Which was the one which was the interplay. That was a really oh, nice yeah. try. Yeah, right? oh, that was yeah. very sweet. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, or you know, or the fact that they were still scoring. They managed to score two tries. You know, yeah. just by trying. Twenty-eight points in the in the last in the last two minutes, including one on the bell. Right. So they're, they're finding, which maybe isn't surprising when you've got that sort of backline, um, who've got who've got that number, of, who've got that sort of cohesiveness between them. Um, and I agree with you though. You know, so this is a, this is a hard choice, right, between the two. But whereas I can kind of see maybe the Tars limping through and finding a few strategies to kind of hide a forward pack, I I don't think that they're gonna that's going to get them to the top of the conference. But in terms of like, I'd be sat there right now as the Brumbies going, what the like, mm. where, where does this turn around, or how does this turn around, and who does it for me? I really agree with that. Actually, I think the Brumbies last year were already looking like a team that was just sort of going to. They look like they're on a training paddock, like they're mm. going to the motions, and the shape is there. But Kuradrani and Spate, their two game breakers, are never getting the ball in the right places. And there's that 10-12 combination just isn't creating any doubt in the defence's mind. And they're just sort of they're just going through the motions, you know. Um, whereas I think you're right. I think the Tars will manage to win some games this year because they've just got too much class. Well, and the other thing with them is... To... The other thing with them is, is a bit like what I just said about the Rebels is, you know, we, we might be judging them slightly too early in the sense they had one good home win against the Stormers who, you know, have proven not to be terrible in their other games. Um, and then they've gone on a road trip to South Africa, you know, without a couple of key players. 
um, and got a good draw against the Sharks, even though the Sharks probably should have won that game, um, and then just got ambushed by the Jags, and they didn't play well, but at the same time, they coughed up a try off the opening kickoff, which you know is one of those things where there wasn't any uh, glaring errors in that. It just happens, and all of a sudden, they look up and they're down 21-0, um, and it's really hard to sort of get back from that. So, look, I mean, it might be making an excuse for them, and it but you know there also is a chance that it was just a one-off, had a had a bit of a shocker in Argentina, and, and you know a few teams have been there. So I, I agree with that. I think the other thing you know we've talked about the Nairavora decision and just the, the 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 back office decisions which are really hampering them is you know they keep bringing Bryce Hegarty off the bench and Hegarty is, is an underrated player. He actually seems to have like a quite a positive impact. He totally set up that try last week against the Sharks. He set up that bonus point denying try in the last minute against the Jaguares. When he comes on, they shift Israel Folau to the right wing. When you're down by four tries, Israel Folau needs to touch the ball as often as physically possible. Yeah. Like, that just can't be the solution. You've got to yeah. go for another option. And they've done it every single week. I mean, it makes no Amazing. sense. And the other one, I had a round on the forum today, actually. This is my classic round that I'll probably use again this year, is Australian teams just can't defend rush... Can't play against rush defences. We still haven't worked it out. When there's a rush defence playing, you do two things. And I'm fourth-grade subbies player, and I, even I know this. You do two things. You take more pick-and-goes around the ruck to try and get people to commit, and you grub a behind the line to stop the back line from rushing up like idiots. And the Tars did none of that for half an hour, even though they were being consistently trapped behind the game line by a rush defence. Jed Holloway takes a pick-and-drive for the first time in the game and, and scores under the post. He's untouched. He's untouched. <laughs> Runs 30 metres and right. scores under the post. That's the strategy here. You lure them yeah. in, and then, and, you know, and then they leave it but open. But like it's that. classic Australian rugby, because did they try it again? Not no. once. <laughs> never again. <laughs> that worked well. Put it back in the drawer, and we'll never but do it But do you know again. why one of the reasons why Nicerani, I think, is so class, is because he does that. Mm. Yeah. He's a real he's, he's, he's a real one of those reach back to the you know, reach back, pick up the ball, and go for a run. <laughs> one hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's from, where is he from? Fiji. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's, uh, he, mate, he's Aussie to his core. Don't worry about that. Aussie, is he? In, yeah. the, is he? in the in the best traditions of our best number eights. Yeah, uh, he's from the Pacific <laughs> Island. So, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean that it, that was absolutely maddening. Look, I, I did feel so. I went into watching that Waratahs game because. I didn't get to watch it live, and so and just all of a sudden started getting bombarded with tweets um, from uh, Rugby Reg, uh, <laughs> who was really really interested to hear us yeah, review, the, review it. So I was like, oh, this must be a disaster. So I went into the game expecting that, and then I was like, oh god, you know, like there was those couple of sucker punches, which don't get me wrong, it's not like it, they were unavoidable by any chance, but by any means but it was like oh right so there's a try there's a you know uh, try off to kick off and then everything just bounced the Haguaro's way but which is the way when you're playing well yeah. but um and they really came out and they were on the front foot and they were pushing it and all the rest of it but it did all bounce the hag's way that turned around a little bit in the second half the tars finally got together but i didn't walk away from that kind of going oh my god the waratahs season's absolutely in the toilet i actually kind of felt um, I, I first of all went wow. Some of the support play from the Jaguars was brilliant. Like yeah, supporting from depth. And they get that um, momentum up. Oh, they were, they and, were, and the same thing. And the, the exact same thing happened last year at the SFS. I remember being there, and the Jaguars rolled us. Yeah. And that was that same thing. They just got the bounce of the ball, and then all of a sudden their tails were up, and every pass stuck. They're, they're a real confidence team. But, yeah. I mean, even going into the game, they know that the Jaguars are super talented. They they can really run the ball. They can offload, but you need structure. And you need to push them into the penalties. Because once the discipline goes, and yeah. they have way more yellow cards than any other team since they entered the comp, 
they just fall apart. Mm. And without a front row, it's really hard to, yeah, to, to impose that. structure and slow the game down and start to just, just build up the penalty pressure, and they just didn't do it. I mean, we never looked like we are going to do it. Mm. You know, no front row, no coaches. Well, I, I've got to say that the... If the look, it's... This sounds really bad, right? Look, it sounded like I'm pinning... I'm by no means by pinning this all on one person with this comment. Um, but if there's somebody who's embodying at the moment... Mm, Quake Cooper. No, yeah. <laughs> the problems in the, in the, in the, in the TARS forward pack. It is Quake Cooper. No, is um, like Tom Staniforth. And like who they're using yeah. as like a, a cart horse, right? Yeah, and he's, and he's the last guy. Like I think we read the stats last. I haven't looked them up this week, but I bet you if I did, I know what it would say. It would say like you know, high work. It would be like you know, fifteen runs for one meter. Yeah, like he literally gets stopped on the game line or behind it every single run. And the guy's got a leg ta- with more tape on it than Bernie Larkham. It was like yeah. he's, he's, he's like. So I'm, I'm not trying to damn him as a rugby player. It's not his fault, yeah. But, but for whatever, he's not the guy. He's the square peg in the round hole. Yeah. He can't. He can't, he's, he can't be Will Skelton. And yeah. that's Will Skelton's role. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm not saying who the guy is in that pack to get them over the game line because, as you guys are saying, the, you look around you can't see one. I mean, and, and it's not going to be, uh, you know, Rob Simmons, um, you know, when, when, he's, uh, when he's allowed to play Even again. Dempsey comes back, but Dempsey's not that guy either. No, yeah. you know? They're all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. They've recruited a. They're all pack. six foot. Everyone the same. Six foot five, six foot six, white yeah. guys, bit skinny. You know, I reckon I'd fit really well. <laughs> I was going to say, how tall are you? Yeah, yeah. Went to public. Went to private school, so you know, definitely could yeah. make it. I reckon. Um, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't tell that from that tie. <laughs> Uh, very yeah, well. I mean, for, again, once again, yeah, for people at home, I'm wearing a suit in the Fairfax HQ. I feel deeply uncomfortable. The tie of, is extremely There's a lot of free Tibet t-shirts around here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's sort of a, a magenta blue and white weave. It would really stand out on Pinstreet. He's <laughs> got, got cufflinks as well. Right, so um, <laughs> next question. Are you so, with The Bachelor? <laughs> so look, I'm not really sure what we got. I think it started off with Hugh saying the tar should be more worried, but you know, did, did we manage to swing you around? No, no, I think the tar should be more worried because I, I just... I think, I think the fundamental flaws are there, and I just think they're much harder to overcome than the Brumbies, who I think have the talent in Leo Lafano and Godwin and Curran Drani, who's been really off the pace. I think they've got the talent there to find that form um, if those guys actually hit their straps, and I just think they haven't yet. And whereas the Tars, I look at those guys and I go, I don't think they can actually ever get there, and that's the difference. Uh, I'm with Matt on this one. I think the Brumbies are looking... Bait. Tars can still win the conference. Actually, legitimately can still win the conference. I just don't think they will... Well, let's wait till we get to the uh, predictions then for round five and talk about the games to come. Uh, so, uh, question number four. Can we beat Ireland with one week to prepare? So, this is this little... Uh, we got tweeted, um, actually, by somebody. Uh, let me see. I'll find it here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Hevier uh, sent us a tweet. So, so, look, we love interaction with, with uh, the, the listenership. Hey, guys, love the podcast. Uh, man of good taste. Uh, maybe something that can be covered in the five questions. The Wallabies will go into the first test uh, with Ireland with zero camps and just one week or so together. I feel this is the same story every year. Uh, we will probably lose. Actually, it says we will probably lose, but I think he meant lose. Um, so, what, are we looking at another another train wreck here as we, as we, as we wander into what is actually... Probably even more than England, which is probably one of the smartest rugby mm. sides. You know, you know they beat they beat the All Blacks in Chicago, wasn't it? 
you know, only was that last year? Should, should have beaten them in Ireland. Oh, years ago. Yeah, they've run them close. They ran them close even in New Zealand. You know, it was like a mental thing, which like, you kind of feel like they've got over now. Um, they've just bagged another Six Nations. Uh, what's that going to look like, Jamie? When we've when when the the the, the checker preparedness <laughs> factor comes into play? Yeah, I mean, I I'm inclined to agree that we uh, we're definitely making it difficult for ourselves. Ireland are the smartest team out there tactically. They're just very very sound. England are good, but Ireland tactically are better, and we are so tactically obtuse. It makes me want to hurl sometimes. Um, so I think we'll really struggle without enough preparation. But that really goes back to that that key, key series in 2016 at home against England that I think really had so much to do with where we are now, where we went in, won the 20 minutes of the first test, went up two tries, and then England rolled us, and then rolled us, and then rolled us again. And it was just that. It was just a bit of overconfidence, a bit of lack of preparation, and just a complete lack of tactical nous about how rugby is actually being played at the moment. And Joe Schmidt is an actual, is an absolute master at it. So... We'll definitely have our work cut out for us and uh, got to hope we don't have too many injuries as well. So. But, but on that, Jamie, I mean, that was mm. the, the other thing about that. Yeah, there, there was tactical issues, but it was the story again where England had come in off a Six Nations campaign. They'd, had a, you know, they'd rolled straight into us and we had, had, you know, we had three days to prepare, essentially. And, and all of a sudden we come in and, and start well and then fall to pieces in the next three games. And, and, and you can see the same story happening again. And... I mean, behind the scenes, what happened before this season was the South Africans said, well, we're going to start a week early because we want to have a week to prepare for our mid-season internationals. And they threw the offer out there to everyone else that said, well, you know, it's basically derby games for the first round. You can, you can play them a week early. You can play them two weeks early um, and take your bye week when you want. And unfortunately, the way that the Australian rugby calendar is, we had the Brisbane 10s. Um, on the week before, and, and we had the Sydney Sevens the week before that, and with the calendar the way it was, all of the sides opted to have um, the another week of trials into the season. And, and look, you can't begrudge them that. Um, starting the season in early February, I think, would be pretty difficult. But what it meant is we don't have that week off before facing Ireland. And part of you feels for the ARU because we we copped England at the sort of as they were coming into their peak of their their um their performance and their start of their winning streak and we copped Scotland last year as they were coming into their sort of uh form period of their resurgence that, that was this year and now we're copying three games against Ireland when they're at the top of their game too. And it's got an ambush written all over it and you'd have to if you were a bookmaker, you'd install the Irish as pretty strong favourites because they're gonna come in with a six nations victory, they're gonna come in with a really strong side class through that team as well as in the coaching box and coming into an Australian team that, that that haven't had you know any any time to prepare and and the other factor is that um, I think is what Jamie was referring to was that Michael Check has sort of stopped holding these mid-season camps that they would hold um, during the super season I'm, I'm not sure that's that much of a factor because I'm not sure how much actual you know work was being done in those camps and and yeah. how much that actually really influenced things but Nonetheless, it's yeah. we're going to be facing an uphill battle. Aren't an we? an yeah. Irish bookmaker, I don't know where we might find one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, the other thing there, so and I guess the bit that's really relevant to that is you know just last weekend uh, with England losing um, their you know second match in a row, um, and apparently the, that was the first time since two thousand nine they'd what, lost two away games, um, and. 
is that Ireland's taken that Six Nations. Uh, and so we'll see. I think, is it, is it is it next weekend or the next match is when Ireland... This, this and, weekend. This yeah, weekend, yeah. Ireland and England uh, yeah. match up. Ireland put, Ireland put Scotland to the sword too. And Scotland, will, you know, Scotland look mm. like... They're, they're a bit hot and cold, it seems. And if you get yeah. them on their day, then they're hard to beat. And, but still, I mean, they put them to the sword there and that was pretty impressive. So the, th- so the match, obviously, that then gave it to Ireland. This is, this is a, a bit of a tortured segue. The match that obviously gave it to Ireland was, you know, France beating England. Um, and I'm actually I'm trying to remember what was that, twenty three seventeen something like that. Something. Six, it was six points. England yeah. was still in it right at the very death. Yeah, but they they didn't deserve it. So the, the, England never deserved. So hashtag <laughs> downfall twenty eighteen. Um, they they've they've you know. The English journos, so I caught up with the English journos, when was it? Was it last year or the year before? And I remember talking to them and they were all like, you know, this is when, and, and they'd just done that whitewash of the series. And then there was a catch up. And yes, you're right. Um, why anyone from Green and Gold Rugby would be at a journo gathering. So there was a bunch of journos <laughs> and me um, at this at this thing. We're having a chat with a, with a few of them and some of who I knew from years ago from when I was living in the UK. And we're having a chat with them and they were quite happily discussing about how, yep, this is all great and everyone's loving the fact that Eddie's winning everything, but they were just waiting because they just know it's coming. And it's kind of like that tradition of English journalism is like they never love anything better than when, you know, somebody's falling in a heap. And they just, you know, as sure as X is X, he can't win every game, right? It's going to happen at some stage. And on top of that, like, it's not like Eddie Jones is no longer Eddie Jones. He's still got all of those personality traits, right? And so all those journalists could see that happening. And what you've seen in this last sort of two matches is those journalists seeing it happen and you start to see these articles coming out, right? And it's not just saying, well, great side, you know, had a couple of defeats. It's really talking through the big problem. Suddenly, Owen Farrell... Has gone from yeah, you know, the like, best player in the world. Yeah, if, if you're listening, Egg, Egg Chasers mm-hmm. podcast, you know, has suddenly gone from best player in the world, fantastic yeah. at defence, awesome um, at offence, into oh, you know, like is he even pickable anymore? Yeah. Right, he's a liability. <laughs> so, like, how that's happened in two matches, I'm not completely I, sure. I think, I think, just for the Egg Chasers, Owen Farrell is very close to the best player in the world. He's the captain of defence. He's a great goal kicker. Can play at ten or twelve. Organises everything. Just a total class act, even if the way that he kicks those goals really bothers me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mario Toji, on the other hand, is just simply the first Northern Hemisphere lock to play like a Southern Hemisphere lock. It's quite a good player, but please, get your hand off it. <laughs> Everyone in the Northern Hemisphere, get your hand but off do, it. But do you know what this leads to? I mean, Who's we, talk, we talk downfall, hashtag downfall 2018, and, and the next hashtag is... Hashtag Eddie comes home 2019, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I mean, this is where it all leads. This is leads to after the World Cup, England bomb out. Michael Checker, you know, Australia probably don't win. Let's face it. Michael Checker leaves and goes and coaches Argentina, and Eddie gets sacked from England and comes. I mean, when Michael Checker leaves, is there anyone better positioned to take up that job than than Eddie Jones? Maybe Dave Vessels. I mean, Kepler Vessels. I mean, that's that's. There is. We do, is we do remember Steve has been the groomed, first, but the first time with Eddie, we do, we do all remember those. Got to World Cup final. I remember a World Cup final. I remember that era for one good performance, yeah. that one against New Zealand. The rest of that World Cup, we were absolutely rubbish. Yeah. We played Ireland and Scotland, and we were, but that's World Cups. Though. I, I mean, I think Eddie's, so I think also Eddie's problem is there are a few too many players who played underneath Eddie Jones in some positions of power these days. Yeah, well, and, that's and, right. and influence who. Honestly, I've never, like, 
the impact he he's had on people. Yeah, it's scarring. It's so scarring. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, Most of the AU's deficit is actually through therapy costs for <laughs> players. Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Yeah. Oh, but, but that's interesting though, but, but, yeah. because will Raylene Castle, an outsider, but you know, even by 2019, she'll still be an outsider. I mean, if Eddie's got runs on the board, won a few Six Nations. I mean, he's an, he's the highest achieving Aussie coach out there. I mean, it will be a really interesting thing to watch and see how he you know comes in because it seems like he, he there's a touch of the checkers to him. Again, he he squeezes all the juice out of the orange, and once you start losing, yeah. there's nothing left. You know, it, it, it tails off very quickly. So, oh, that's a rich metaphor there. <laughs> where, did you, where did that? It's beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, the spare, yeah. The oh, spirit of Fairfax is running through me here. Yeah. All that, the great journalists that have I walked these halls. I can just see that, uh, that dictionary over there. Really, <laughs> those word builders are really working. Yeah. Um, I will also give a shout out to the uh, France England under twenties game. You know, all the one of the big reasons why these Northern Hemisphere under twenties teams do well is they play a Six Nations. And then our teams get together in June and meet each other for the first time. There was a double red card in the... Oh, oh yes, that's, yeah. a, that's an interesting footage. Yeah, that, I, yeah. beautifully refed. Like, the, the, the players left the ref with no option. But if you haven't seen it online, have a look. A, just a describe double, it, describe it. Yeah, so there's a double clean-out, two French players, one back row and the other sub back row. So there's an English player, one, there's an English player the jackling over the ball yeah. trying to take the pill from And they each grab one leg... And then they pick up said leg, and then they flip him over his head and onto the sort of top of his back. So it's a very clear double red card, and the Irish ref handles it quite nicely. But it's been a while since I've seen one of those. Yeah, well, since Brian O'Driscoll. Um, so <laughs> no double red issue there. Look, and for, for, pissing for, off the English, pissing off the, uh, <laughs> the Lions. So the Irish, actually. The Irish, you guys are going to lose 3-0. You suck. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get the Irish fans going again. going to keep that going. Oh, the Irish good. and CJ Stander. So, what, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, but just just to touch on this whole thing was like if you haven't seen the the uh, English France game, so you know I watched uh, and then literally my eyes were closing. After, I watched about fifty minutes of it last night, expecting to see this thing where you know France had torn England a new one, and they by by no means do they in any way. So. It was actually Six Nations rugby as you expect it, which was just big guys running into big guys time and time and time, like, and that was it. And I, you would say, and I would say that France marginally got the better of it. Um, and they were just basically more committed. England didn't quite have it um, in them for whatever reason. Um, maybe they're out of juice. Maybe Eddie's you know, tried to push them a bit too hard with fit. I don't know what it is. Maybe they've just got sick of him beasting them. They looked a bit flat tactically. They did. They couldn't put France under pressure, no. which was surprising yeah. because France are pretty, pretty easy target. You would have thought so, right? Yeah. Um, but which just left you with this match that you did. Like, it's not a good eyeful, this match. And the thing that France breaks away with is this penalty try, which is probably right, I think. I think the pumps tried to get themselves wound up to say that was wrong that the guy would get both a penalty try and a yellow card. But my understanding is that's like a no... Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the law of the yeah, sport. Like yeah, like once you get a... You give away a penalty try like that, yeah. you know, you're getting a yellow card as well. So I don't know how they managed to get themselves into that. Anyway, but there you go. So um, that's a little bit of ray of sunshine well, on the Australian... Well, and also just landscape. just to take it back to the question around Australia or Ireland. I mean, you look at the early weeks and, and you can see it. The bones of a pretty decent Australian side coming through. As much as, you know, we talk about the Reds and their powerful forward pack, we talk about the Tars and their great back line, and the Rebels are just kicking goals all over the field. Um, you know, th- th- there's there's players putting their hand up in the early weeks, and, and there's, you know, we've, we'll, we've probably talked about that a little bit, but the, 
the conference looks stronger. You know, I think, you know, it, it certainly doesn't look like an easy... And whether that's because of four teams or because of um, players coming up naturally or whatever it is, we we do look like we might be a better team this year so far on the early evidence. But yeah. that you know, is very early. Until you know, we so play... I'm calling the election after the first booths come in. From the, <laughs> yeah, until we play out, a Kiwi team. There's still the somewhere. issue that there are more people in this room who can play for Australia at number eight than there are in the conference. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, do, it definitely does look better. I think it does look better. There is still a worrying trend of players playing Super Rugby who, like, don't actually know the rules or can pass. Yeah. Uh, Eto Nabuli. It's a test cap. Test cap Eto Nabuli. And he's playing for the Wallowies. Yeah. Uh, but there's, like, a, it's just a worrying trend here. I think we need there's to... There's a one capper. I'm, I'm calling it now. He's never playing again <laughs> for Australia. Is he? Sorry, Eto. I know you're a big, keen listener of this show. Um, but... That I mean, every I've never seen someone who has still steadfastly refused to learn the tackle in the air rule. Like to the every time he runs into on, on one of those up and unders, I've just got my head in my hands because Eto <laughs> is guaranteed to just cannon into the is, poor bloke is, in the air. Is the head in the hands now the Amanaki Mafia? Like oh, I punched me in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, look, uh, coming on home with a wet sail here. So let's get into the last uh, question, which is around predictions uh, going into the weekend. So. I'll just run through. Um, actually, somebody asked that we start doing the non-Australian conference predictions. Uh, I don't know how much value that's yeah, going to give anyone. Just, still, I'm tipping anywhere. Okay. I'm tipping the New Zealand teams. Yeah, yeah. You uh, know, when you go to the races, you put a bet on every race, you know. All right, so we'll, we'll help you out with this. Just, mate, I, But I do think it's of the theory that if they kind of tip the other way, that they'll be, they'll be yeah. happy. Um, so Friday, your uh, Friday beer match is going to be the Waikato Chiefs hosting the Bulls, uh, 5.35 Friday. Oh, that's, quite, that's, a, that's a hospital pass Friday game. You want a Kiwi derby, don't you? You don't want the Bulls coming off a loss to the Reds. That's got whitewashed. That's got 60-0 written all over it. Yeah, so that's going to be basically an exhibition game. And no, no, I'm getting nods from Jamie, no reason to disagree. Uh, then we've got Saturday, 5.35. Oh, so if you want your little Kiwi derby, how about this yeah. one? The, the Highlanders hosting the Crusaders. Oh. The best of the dark. That would be lovely. <laughs> the Highlanders grow an extra leg when they're playing the Crusaders. They've got a huge yeah. chip on their shoulder down there in the south. They've got the... What do they call it? The zoo? Is it, yeah, is the it zoo. Is it home or away? Right? The Highlanders... Highlanders hosting. Oh, bar. yeah. they got the zoo, the stadium with only three yeah. stands in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, no, we're too cheap for a fourth stand. We'll just, yeah. we'll just close it off. It's actually a swimming pool that they've just filled in. That's what it looks like to me. See, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, like no. a public swimming pool that they've just filled in. If you're in America, it'd be a hot tub. Yeah, yes, well, the population of Dunedin Africa. actually only fills those three yeah. stands. I think that's the reason. Like, they have actual <laughs> pop, full population of town. Yeah, there's, there's no reason for a fourth <laughs> yeah, stand. Yeah, no, no one could possibly. That's the fourth it. area is just like a Fergburger stand. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I think that'll be a really good game. But the Crusaders are missing a few guys at the moment. Actually, Crusaders so always start slowly. They too. do. They're that's always, the, always the tipping rule is but, always be wary of the Crusaders in the early. Have they lost the game? Yeah, they lost this week. I think the Highlanders all will get it done. I, I just block out the Kiwi conference because um, it's, it's too horrific um, <laughs> from our perspective. Then uh, following that is you've got the uh, the Br- Brumbies hosting the Sharks. Brumbies Sharks. Um, okay. Well, look, the, going off the form lines, Sharks drawing to the Tars at home, you'd assume Sharks aren't actually that crash hot, but do have a half-decent record in Canberra. If I recall correctly, they might have even won the last time they were there. Um, but... I mean, you've got to think the Brumbies back at home. I think it's going to be close, though. I've got to say, this will, this will go right down to the wire. Nah, Sharks. 
down with the shocks. Yeah, shocks that do that. Unfortunately, I'm well, sure in the however many minutes of rug, you know, Brumbies rugby we've watched, mm. you know, so far this season, it's like you know, unable to score a try. Yeah. Um, Brumbies played at home this year though, not yet. I don't know, in Japan, happens. in Japan, then in Queensland, in Melbourne. So this is their, should be their first home game. No. I will say the Sharks inside centre Andre Esterheisen looks extremely class. Okay, everything he's doing. Yeah, he did him. look really. There's he's, a few. He's, he's he got it. Great. Yeah, I agree. Okay, heard it here first. So right, so that's uh, your Saturday, um, and then well, sun well twelve oh five Sunday Ooh, morning. I'll be oh, staying up for this one. Beautiful Watch Stormers this. hosting the. Uh, Auckland Blues. Jailbreak Murderball. Blues, maybe, I don't know. Don't, don't know, don't care, if who I'm the, honest. Who the hell knows what will happen there. <laughs> Stormers are a, a more interesting outfit these days. They, yeah, they're not yeah. just playing, you know... Well, South African Conference is a more interesting conference now yeah. they've cut the Cheetahs and the Lions. The Chews and the Kings, sorry. Yeah. There's a bit more going on there. Okay, so we kind of, like, our tip is we don't care? Yeah. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I care. <laughs> I just don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I go with probability on that. We must be home side stormers, and the Blues don't turn up for some reason. Um, and then you've got uh, two fifteen a.m. Following that, the Lions ho- uh, hosting that Great Australian Conference team, the uh, the Japan Sunwolves. It's got written here. <laughs> so uh, the Moonbirds. The, the lions by and the a lot. Yeah. by thousands. Um, and then we've got eight forty a.m. This is this the oh. breakfast slot. Um, is the oh, Jags Reds. the Jags Reds? Oh. The Jags are always good to watch. Yeah, like and, and a Sunday morning game is great, isn't it? I, I like sat it. there with my yeah. bacon and egg roll, just a coffee, just watching the game. I'm, yeah, the I'm there with my muesli and the metamucil. <laughs> <laughs> Move quickly on from that. I um, thought you'd be like popping down to the local cafe with the uh, avocado and feta on toast and the poached oh, egg I, and the. Which well, is why I actually that's where I got it from. But you just get it to take away. <laughs> you, you don't. With the side of a pint of Metamucil. Yeah, <laughs> so you're laughing at the Metamucil, but it's inside the house I own. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, Argentina, Jags or Reds? I've got no comment. Where, where are they playing? Where are they playing? Well, at, in uh, Argentina. Argentina. In Argentina. Argentina. Uh, yeah, I reckon the Jags. The hug wires. Oh, look, I don't know. This is an interesting test for the... Well, I mean, the, the Jags are hot and cold, and the Reds could get them on a bad day. You've got to think the Jags are favourites, but, um, I mean, Reds two on the trot, second in the Australian Conference. You've got to think... Who knows? Brad Thorne might... Brad Thorne might be... <laughs> there are, there are might two be things it. that I find hilarious in Super Rugby. The first one is the agreement amongst all the commentators to call them the Huggawades. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is when the referee and the TMO speak different languages. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah. the Argentinian reps and the Japanese TMOs. I mean, I could just sit there <laughs> and listen, listen to them say, you know, try or no try. Well, see. <laughs> well, as interesting as that is, I'm going to go for the Jags on that one. Yeah, Jags are probably. Yeah, yeah. And then the highlight, the highlight of the weekend, which puts to which puts a few of our earlier questions under pressure. The Waratahs afternoon footy down the SFS hosting the Melbourne Rebels four o five p.m. Speaking of under pressure, um, this is my first uh, the first game I take my girlfriend to first of Waratahs game. Uh, she's been to a Wallabies game, which was the Bledisloe, where the Kiwis racked forty points up in the first half. So oh, yeah. I think I feel like <laughs> the groundwork's been which, effectively which, which, laid. Which game was that? Which, which, <laughs> which year? Um, yes, 
But yeah, first task game. Um, um, Arvo, Rebels. It's a big it's a big gamble taking into a Rebels game. I know my wife particularly would love Tom English on The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Tom English's beautiful baby blues. Quick, quick segue back to The Bachelor quickly as well. Was <laughs> I showed Nick Cummins some Nick Cummins um, highlights um, off the field to... to Group of non-rugby friends, and they are very much on board, very excited. So I think yeah. I think we underestimate the Honey Badger's uh, appeal here. Oh, it's a masterstroke! It's going to yeah. be it's, it's it's amazing. Why yeah. isn't he playing rugby? That's my question. That is, he's not that old. Can't make he's as also, much money as he can doing shit doing like this. Shit, he's yeah, also quite good. Like, yeah. He was quite good when he played. Well, he was legitimately good as a yeah. Wallaby. I know that was the thing that he wasn't a gimmick that played. It, it was your one-dimensional blindside. Yeah, yeah right. but, no, we but, he, but he did it well. He was, yeah, just, yeah, he was yeah. fast, good step, and uh, hit hard. Physical, yeah. Very physical. Good and, defender. And great flowing defender. So, uh, so predictions then, chaps. Uh, Tars, Rebels. We've been talking about... We're saying the Tars are an absolute disaster, saying the Rebels are the real deal in this conference. Mm. Um, so what's the prediction then on the weekend? I have to predict Rebels. I, I think they're... I'm on board now. I, I tipped against them last week. I thought the Brumbies might show up that... You know, expose the the rebels going to the Reds and the Sunwolves and winning, but I think they're the real deal, um, and I think they'll beat the Tars. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to join the Rebel Alliance as well. I think uh, I'm devastated. I have to fly out so I can get back to work on Monday in America, and I'll be missing the game. I'm oh, I'm absolutely gutted by loser. That. Yeah. Sunny, can we get everyone down there as well? Everyone, if you're listening to this in Sydney. Um, um, get down there, Dave Vessels. I know you're listening. Um, you know, get down there. I assume you'll be there as the coach of the Rebels. <laughs> 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 Hope you get down there. Yeah, yeah um, Dave, yeah. can you please tweet at Hugh Cavill? <laughs> yes, Hugh. I think uh, I will probably be. Dave there. listens to this late in the show. I've got uh, uh, faith in him. Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be really good at the Sunday. I've already you know. Israel Folau is going to be out in the sun. That's it. That's yeah. your Marty. I think I'm going to Adam Coleman. Well, I think I'm going to go. So um, I'm just balancing if I'm away with work a bit this week, so I'm going to have to... I'm leaving it late to, to put that one in. But, um, look, I'm going to throw another angle on that, which is that I'm not sure the Rebels have got the pack to really you know, yeah. put forward... Put the dagger into the to put, Yeah, to put forward, drive home their advantage against the Tars. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and which then leaves the Tars, I think, with, a, with a probably a more dangerous backline. So I... Oh, I'm hoping that's it's going to be an unlike an Australian derby and actually could be really quite interesting. So it'll be down to whether Keppel has managed to really sturdy up that. How much has he managed to sturdy that Rebels backline? Mm. I, I tend to go with your guys' gut, which is that I think the Rebels are uh, a better side. I just I just want to say that I think uh, we've seen enough of the attacking intent, intent from the Tars. So look, I'm flipping here, but I'm going to throw the Tars in there as a as a bit of a. Yeah. It's a bit of a counter. Could be, it could be a great game. I mean, it could be dire. As you never know with the Australian <laughs> Conference, but yeah. with the way that the Tars are playing, you throw Will Genny or some of those other guys in that, I think it could be really good. I think it's going to be high scoring. I don't. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it's going to be an arm wrestle because I don't think either of them could. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Well, look, that, that's that's the end. That's the end of our first face to face podcast. There is there are beer bottles strewn over this table. People are looking, walking past, going, "What the hell is going on in there?" Um, but I want to say, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Jamie, for flying around the world to do a podcast. No worries. Thanks for uh, letting me expense it to Fairfax. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just uh, have to take you through the policy uh, as far as what's expend- expensable there in a second. Thanks, <laughs> you for coming in. I know it's tough uh, when you're, you know, sort of like 
Tory to your core <laughs> as, as a young liberal oh, coming into the House of Fairfax. It's a stitch up. It's got. A, it's. it's <laughs> I've actually got. I've got, a, I've got some paparazzi. Out yeah, I've outside. got some dark. I'm wearing dark glasses here. I, uh, if I'm seen, I could be in trouble. So, yeah. And I'm gonna go and take a long hot shower after this and just. Now, now, Hugh. The podcast hasn't been that good. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in, and we'll uh, see you next time. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.